Amen, amen. The fact that we can sing my victory because of the victory won for us. Imagine we were enemies of God. That, that, that means we were in a no-win situation. And now we can claim victory as his children. What an amazing thing. Wow. Um, there are so many ways that uh, you can give and, and volunteer your time here at Light of the World Church. Sometimes people, um, because of their work schedule or whatever, it's hard to uh, do certain things. But even when you have a, a, a specialty um, trade or, or gift, um, at times that is such a big deal. Uh, we had a, a, a leak um, on the roof in the uh, administration building and uh, yesterday, John and I were here trying to assist Desmond, who um, fixed the roof for us. And Desmond had come twice, uh, once a couple of months ago when it first happened and kind of uh, fixed some of the rotten wood. And that day, it was nice weather, days before and days after. But that day, it snowed. And then yesterday, uh, he had said, hey, I could come this day. And I said, well, we have our men's retreat. How about next, the Saturday after? He said, okay. And it was 90 degrees up there. But we so um, appreciate it. And we appreciate all the volunteers and all that give uh, of themselves here. Uh, remember what was said earlier that uh, the women's conference is quickly approaching, and the last day to sign up is today. I know the men's retreat, we had such a blessed time. And so many of the men that came to me after and said, hey, I was not going to come. I am so glad that I came. Um, when we have these type of gatherings, be sure not to miss out if you have anything that you got to put to the side and say, I'm going to commit to do it, it is worth it. Amen? Also, we are um, starting back because protocol um, procedures have been lifted in the senior citizens' homes we are going to be going back into a couple of senior citizen homes that will normally take place on certain Sundays after the second service. So if that is a ministry that you would want to be a part of, please grab an application in the bookstore and sign up for that, whether it's you can sing or you want to pray with people or uh, some would even be gifted in teaching and would be able to bring a small message uh, that is available. So make sure that um, you avail yourself to that opportunity. Today we're going to be in the book of Romans um, chapter 6 and we're going to be reading from verse 15 to 23 in the name 
of uh, the message this morning is who I used to be, but now. I have um, a niece, and uh, she's on my wife's side of the family, and my wife is the youngest of her siblings, so she has nieces and nephews that are older. So when I first came around, I was in my mid-20s, and my wife was 21, and, and this particular niece was um, a teenager. And uh, obviously, all these years later that I'm with my wife, for quite a few years now, when she sees me, um, tease me, she says to me, when she looks at me, and I say, say hello to her, she says, who my uncle used to be. Now, when she is saying that, basically what she's saying is, you're a shell of, of the man that I met. You are now um, aged and not the person that I met all those years ago. What happened? So, so that is her way of kind of like coming at me because obviously when I was in my mid-20s, when a person is in their mid-20s, they're at the height of at least physically who they are, and then it starts um, the downward uh, spiral. It starts out slow, um, and then it continues to pick up pace as it moves along. So even when I was preparing this message, I thought of her, and when she always, and I mean, she never misses it. She looks at me, who my uncle used to be. What we are going to be speaking of today is the opposite of that, right? Who we used to be, but not now. So again, we are in Romans chapter 6, and we're going to be reading, starting in verse 15. I'm reading out of the CSB, so if you don't mind, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And it reads this way, what then? Should we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. I am using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you offered the parts of yourself as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, so now offer them as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free 
with the regard to righteousness. So what fruit was produced then from the things you are now ashamed of? The outcome of those things is death. But now, since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. And the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you, Lord. We so thank you. Just as we read that, each one of us that has been saved by your redeeming work at the cross, understands what it was to be a slave of sin, trying all kinds of things to escape those things that gripped us, but not being able to, and coming to a place where we had to cry out, save me, and you did. Thank you, Lord, that we are now slaves to righteousness. As we ponder this truth this day, Lord, do a work in us. Let us rejoice because of what you've done, because who I used to be, but now. Thank you for that, Lord. Do a work in each one of our hearts by the cleansing of your word. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So as we uh, ponder this text, um, we hear this term, um, slavery. And, and when we think about what it is to be in some kind of bondage and then be freed from that, um, our mindset is, who would ever want to return back in that direction? Imagine um, if it's 1800 and, and you are escaping from the south and, and you go through the Underground Railroad and you end up in the north and you have a new life. Who then turns around and says, I'm going back down south? and goes through those same channels while people are going the other way, and you start heading back into bondage. We, we, we even see um, with Israel how God saved them in a mighty way in Egypt. And every single time they had a struggle come their way, they started to ponder going at back, picking a new leader, killing Moses, just leaving, building a God that was going to lead them back. I mean, they were looking to go back into bondage often. Matter of fact, in Numbers chapter 11, verse, starting at verse 4, it says the riffraff among them, I, I like that term riffraff, that's not a term that we use anymore, but it was a term that I heard when I was younger. It, it means like the troublemakers. Among them had a strong craving 
for other food. The Israelites wept uh, wept again and said, who will feed us meat? We remember the free fish we ate in Egypt, along with the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There's nothing to look at but this manner. Wow. God provided for them in the midst of the wilderness. And what they did was, first off, they called that food free. (laughs) They were supported with nutrients so that they continue under their bondage at the uh, expense of the whip on their back. But so often, we will romanticize the past. And, and, and we think about when we were in certain conditions, but we don't think of the fullness. They're thinking about, hey, we had a variety of food to eat. And now what God provided for them wasn't enough. We cannot romanticize the past God has paid a great price to set you free. Sometimes uh, a work needs to be done because although they were free in body, they obviously still had a level of bondage in their mind. And God did a work in them in the wilderness. But the text tells us in verse 15, what then Should we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Absolutely not. Often I hear people say, I am not under the law, I am under grace, and they use that as a statement to excuse the way they're living their lives. Free from the law does not mean you are free from the demands of righteousness. It would be not only strange, but it would be contradictory for those under grace that they should show any kind of evidence in their lifestyle inferior to the standard that was placed on those who were under the law. And in, in, in other words, we actually should be living in a way that supersedes those things. And Jesus mentioned that many times. He says, the law says don't murder. But I tell you, when you have hatred in your heart for someone, you've already murdered, right? And things of that nature. So... When we think that way, we're thinking wrong. The law is supposed to be a restraining influence. Um, And us moving outside the parameters of that law naturally lends to exposure. Exposure to danger. And the further and further we move from that law and the further we stray, uh, the more we face consequences 
And that's not what we want to do. As believers, we have to realize that his salvation actually means for us a change of bondage. We, we are leaving from the bondage of sin, and we are entering the bondage of righteousness. Remember when you were a diehard sinner. You gave it everything you had. You went all out. Remember that? How much more should we chase after righteousness? Verse 16 says, do you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? Wow. The power of grace. Our lives as God's children, is to be in pursuit of obedience. We can never presume on God's grace. Just think about when God opened your eyes to the gospel and you were regenerated. God imparted new life in us, us that those that were dead in their trespasses and sin, and he turned that around, and then he called you justified. And in other words, you being justified is that you have right legal standing before him. And not only do you have right legal standing before him, then you are adopted. You are adopted into his family. You are a member of his royal, holy family. What that means is your status has changed. You have a new identity. And then along with that new identity, there comes an application. There, there, it, it looks like something. To be regenerated looks like something. To be justified looks like something. To be adopted looks like something. So what we do is we begin in this sanctification process. It's, it's a progressive work that continues throughout the life of the believer. In this work, man cooperates with God, and they play distinct roles. Sanctification is, de is defined as a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. And there's different parts of the sanctification 
process. In the beginning, when we have regeneration, when we are saved, God places the Holy Spirit in us, and there is a part of the work of sanctification done right there. Titus 3, 5 tells us that through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Once we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit. We cannot continue in the habits and the patterns of a sinful life. We, we no longer have to yield to sin. We no longer love sin. There was sin that we just loved, and we no longer feel comfortable in sinning. You have the power to overcome the acts and the patterns of sin. At different parts of our uh, lives, even in our Christian lives, at times, we try to turn back to doing things that we did in the past, before we were saved, before the presence of the Holy Spirit. That did not feel the same way that when we did those things void of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we felt different. We felt dirty. We felt that we had to go to God. When we were in our sin before, the thought wasn't, hey, I need to take this to God. We did what we did, and matter of fact, whatever kind of consequences or feelings that we have, and we called it our conscience, we would try to make sure that um, we didn't dwell on those things so we could continue down the road we were going. But once we have the presence of the Holy Spirit, we don't feel comfortable doing those things anymore. The beginning of this process starts at conversion, and it increases, and it increases, and it grows throughout the life of the believer. The Bible tells us, be holy yourself in all your conduct. The Bible tells us, be doers of the word and not hearers only. The Bible tells us, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. It also says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This involves us engaging in the process, but is going to be done by God's grace. This includes our thoughts. This includes our words. This includes our actions. And the reason why we are slaves to sin no more is because we have the ability to do these things by God's grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we're talking about sanctification, what we're talking about is, um, in its verb form, is to sanctify. I was reading an article, and it, it says it literally means to set apart 
for special use or purpose. That is to make holy or sacred. Therefore, sanctification refers to the state or process of being set apart. The, gen the generic meaning of sanctification is the state of proper functioning. If, if you think about how God made us and that he made us in his image and sin entered, sanctification is the state of proper functioning. To sanctify someone or something is to set that person or thing apart for its intended use by its designer. Did you, did you catch that? A pen is sanctified when used to write. Eyeglasses are sanctified when used to improve sight. So in a theological sense, things are sanctified when they are used for the purpose God intended. A human being is sanctified, therefore, when he or she lives according to God's design and purpose. Wow, that's good. So, um, our old ways, they, they produced fruit. Our new ways produce fruit, right? Fruit is, is a product of, of what you do, right? Whether it be sin or righteousness, either leading, either sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. So when we're talking about the fruit from sin, the text told us that for just as you offered parts of yourselves as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, right? We, one thing we've learned is we can't control sin. It starts out small. It starts out seeming manageable. We, we pet it and we cater to it and it grows, and then it takes over, right? That's not what we want. Verse 21 says, so what fruit was produced then from the things that you are now ashamed of? The outcome of those things is death. Wow. How, how did you get to that place? How did we get to that place? How do you end up there? Who were you obeying? You were obeying your master, and the master was sin. How did sin gain that kind of power over us? James said, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, because it's there working out, waiting to take over, it gives birth. And it gives birth to what? To death. To commit sin is to put yourself in bondage to sin. And sin always has a sequel. And the sequel to sin is death. Jesus said this in John chapter 8, 34, truly I tell you, 
Everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed, or you are really free. So, we are called to walk in that freedom. We do not have to be bound to sin. We can have a life of obedience resulting in righteousness. There is, there is no such thing as almost free, just like there's no such thing as a little pregnant. Like, it's either you're free or you're bound. What this text is telling us is that we will be bound to something. But if we are free from sin, and that does not have our us bound, then we are bound to righteousness. There's just those two conditions. The text tells us, but thank God that although you used to be slaves to sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. In other words, when God came into your life and you obeyed him, what you used to be, you are no more. Slavery was used in this passage as an analogy because everyone at that time understood what slavery was because it was a widespread thing in that culture. But slavery is to be held, it's to be owned, it's to be bound, to be in bondage, it's to be the property of someone. You used to be held by sin. You used to be owned by sin. You were in bondage to sin. Paul Tripp said this, the grand delusion of every act of sin is that we can be disloyal to God and everything will work out in the end. That is delusional, that we can engage in sin, which is disloyalty to God, and it's all just going to work out fine. Sin never works out well. The text tells us, and having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. How are you doing in your freedom from sin? Being enslaved to righteousness is not the same thing as being enslaved to sin. Being enslaved to sin was relentless. It was destructive. It led to one thing. It led to death. While being a slave to righteousness is joyous, is satisfying. It leads to life. It leads to peace. 
So even as we look back over these scriptures and we see the truth that's taught in it by way of contrast, there is one common denominator in it. It's obedience. It's obedience to a master. The question is, are you going to be obedient to sin or obedient to righteousness? Because they both pay dividends. The text tells us, but now, since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. The outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow. You can come up, worship team. So, when we're talking about sanctification, what we see is when we are saved and God resides in us, the Holy Spirit is in us, there is a part of sanctification that takes place right away. But then he is moving us in our sanctification process as we grow. And it is him at work in us, but we have responsibility in it. We are called to be a part of what's happening. But there is coming a time when sanctification will be complete. It's, it's not now, and it's not here. So while we're here, we're to strive, we're to press on, we're to walk. You no longer have to yield to sin. You have the power of the Holy Ghost. But we won't even always have these struggles. Philippians 3, starting at verse 20, says, But our citizenship is in heaven, for from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So, so when we got saved, God did a work immediately in us. But as we walk out our Christian lives, we still live in this body. And there is a wrestling, but it is for us by the power of the Holy Spirit, by God's grace to strive, to keep moving forward, to be a slave to righteousness. The effort that we put in sinning when we were going all out, we are to go all out in righteousness. 2 Corinthians 3, starting at verse 16, says this, but whoever a person, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. He is bringing us from glory to glory. When we try to have a foot over here and a foot over there, what we're going to experience if we have the Holy Spirit in us is a Holy Spirit beat down. I remember that. I remember God radically saving me, took all these desires away, and piece by piece, I picked up certain things and put them back into my life. I didn't have the same gratification before the Holy Spirit was there that I had doing these things. So now it was such a weight. It was, it was hard to try to carry those things. And that was God's grace, not allowing you to feel comfortable sinning because you are now his holy temple. The presence of the Holy Spirit dwells within you. So, so, so when we try to still engage in things we used to engage in, and we're depressed and sad and wondering what's wrong, maybe try obedience. Maybe try surrender. Maybe recognize that is actually a gift from God because if he lets us go, all we're going to do is destroy ourselves. God is so gracious. God is so merciful. God is so long-suffering. God is so patient with his children. We have to understand that we are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. And with that new identity, we are to walk in that. And we are to go all out. One of the things that we've talked about with the men was staying in the present moment. We often allow our past to do things to us in terms of trying to snatch our identity. You're not your failures. You're not your shortcomings and your mistakes. You belong to God. And when we don't have our past haunting us like that, sometimes we're three, four steps ahead in the future. The past is under the blood of Jesus. The future is in God's hands. You're right here. So when we can stay right here in the moment we're in, we can walk out step by step in obedience 
and we can allow this work to take place because what happens is when we resist, we're going to learn another lesson. And when we continue to resist, we're going to keep learning those lessons until we, okay, God, I understand. I get it. Stay right there in the moment. Stay where you are. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not promised. We're right here. So as we walk out our sanctification process, it's what I do right now. When someone brings up yesterday, I ain't the same guy yesterday. Well, it was only yesterday. Okay, well, today's today. I'm going to walk in I'm going to walk in this. I'm going to walk in newness of life. I'm going to my identity is going to be what he says about me. We're called to be slaves to righteousness. Would you stand family so I could pray for you? Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord that our identity is in you. I thank you, Lord, that we can talk about who I used to be. But that but is always because you came in, Lord. But who we are in you, Lord, put that so deep in our hearts, Lord. Let not our tomorrow snatched that away. Our past snatched that away. The enemy put anything else in our minds other than what you say we are. We are slaves to righteousness. We are your people. We are filled with the Holy Ghost. We are covered by your blood. We are your heirs. We are a holy priesthood. Thank you, Lord. Like we sang, we are victorious because we have victory in you. The old has passed away. Thank you, God. Let us walk in newness, Lord. For that person that's hearing this and has not experienced the veil taken off their eyes. Maybe you're doing it in this very moment, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would surround them, Lord, that they would repent, that they would understand that the finished work on the cross was an act of love from you to save them from their sins if they put their trust in you. And they too can be called a child of God. Their past is under the blood as ours is. Their future is in your hands. But you would come and dwell with them, tabernacle with them, fill them with the Holy Spirit, and walk beside them, Lord. We thank you 
that that is done in the life of the believer, and we thank you that it is done in the one that put their trust in you. Let that truth be so saturated in our hearts that is shown in our thought life, in the words that come out of our mouths, in the things that we think of ourselves. And we would say about ourselves what you say, God, and that we would walk in it. And it would be so evident and overflow that people would ask, what is the hope that lies in that person? And they would proclaim, it is Christ Jesus. And that each one of us would know and be confident that the good work that you started in each one of us, you will bring to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you, family.